0: Well, as you've heard us say already this morning, Advent is a um, season of preparation, getting ready. And typically, uh, I guess in hindsight, maybe there's a different scripture reading that I might have done this morning with you. Um, One of the voices that we usually hear during Advent is the voice of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ. He's the one who uh, is the voice in the wilderness saying, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make ready a highway for our God. In other words, prepare your hearts, prepare your lives, uh, get ready for what God is about to do in the world and in you. That's uh, John the Baptist's um, cry or call or focus. And that's our focus this morning, uh, preparing and, and being ready. The good news of the gospel is not only about what happened in terms of the birth of Christ that happened in the past, But it is also about looking forward to and anticipating his coming again in glory. Uh, By looking back in meditation, we are also at the same time attempting to look forward in expectation. We can find our own stories in the account of Jesus' birth and ask the question. In fact, it's really, it's really we are people of the story. It's why we tell this story. It's why the church year is built around retelling the whole Christ event, the whole story from his birth to his, his life and ministry to his death and his resurrection. I mean, this, that's what the church calendar is about. It's about retelling that story. But it's not just Jesus' story. It is our story as we find our identity in him and we find our own stories in his. So as we reflect on this story that we're very familiar with, Christ coming into the world, we need to ask ourselves, where are we in this story? How is God at work in our own day in our own, in, in his, and in His own way? What if we were ready and even expecting God, that God would be in some way at work, present and at work in us, so that our very lives become signs of the kingdom, That we would become, as Jesus said, light, light bearers, beacons of light, beacons of hope in the world. People who are made, called to make a difference, to be difference makers, to have impact. Are you ready for what God wants to do in you, through you, among us, and with us? So our scripture reading this morning is is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. If you want to go there or just simply listen along. Chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, this is again the uh, account of Jesus' birth, but it's coming from the perspective of Joseph's experience. Last Sunday, we heard the birth of Christ coming from Mary's perspective. This is from Joseph's experience, written by Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So you're engaged to be married, and you find out that your bride-to-be is expecting. And you know that you are not the father, because you've not been intimate. What do you do? And your heart is breaking as you listen skeptically to her story. An explanation that sounds a bit far-fetched. I mean, come on, an angel appearing, the Holy Spirit coming upon you, and this seemingly illegitimate child is the Son of God? Why would God create such a havoc? such havoc? Why would God create such a crisis? Why would God bring his own son into a family, into a marriage that is now going to be marked by scandal and shame right from the beginning? Joseph was careful to live a godly life, a righteous life. He had chosen Mary as his wife, or maybe, perhaps in that culture, she was chosen for him. But at any rate, he assumed that she was righteous and devout like him. And I think if you read between the lines, he still believes that. I think Joseph, a righteous man, remember we sort of unpacked that in the Beatitudes, righteous just means to be right, to do the right thing, to be good, to be kind. And Joseph is righteous, he, he, he has a heart for Mary, obviously his heart was probably broken, doesn't understand what's really happening, and so he doesn't want to subject her to disgrace, and so the best thing he can think to do is this, just to simply quietly divorce himself from her. They were legally betrothed, and so he's just thinking, what's the best way I can respond to this difficult situation? Mary's reputation would be ruined, shame and scandal. And Joseph, if he stayed with her, his reputation would be ruined as well. And on top of that, Joseph is a man, he's the head of his household. Why would God not let him in on what was happening first? It just didn't seem plausible, it didn't seem well planned. Bob Goff, a writer, says that, listen to this, I'll, I'll repeat it even, It's because it's, it's worth repeating. He says, be patient when things get weird. The angel came to Joseph after he spoke to Mary. Be patient when things get weird. The angel spoke to Joseph after he spoke to Mary. God allowed Joseph to experience confusion, hurt, probably even feelings of betrayal, before he sent an angel to let Joseph in on the story. We're we're assuming that Joseph didn't believe Mary initially. Or if he did, he still wants no part of what's happening. I mean, after all, he's not the father of the child. This isn't what he signed up for. And maybe there's no correlation, but I I sort of see one. that Here's at the beginning of Jesus' life, this story. And then at the end of Jesus' earthly life, after he's crucified and then raised from the dead, who are the first people to know of the resurrection? The women, right? Say that, you remember the story. The women at the tomb, right? And uh, they're the first to hear the good news. And then they come to the disciples who are still distraught and fearful and confused, don't know what to do next. The women come with the good news that Jesus is raised and they don't believe them. Interesting. And Jesus, later that day, chides the disciples for not believing the women. It's just funny. I'm just, it's funny the ways of God to entrust such important news to people who, at the time, whose word and perspective uh, probably wasn't valued or considered credible. What goes on in the heart and mind of God? That people who have been sidelined or or silenced or forgotten or excluded or marginalized, the very ones that God are the very ones that God often graces and uses. Guess God doesn't care about his reputation, huh? Mary's response to what God was about to do seems immediate. She said, as you remember the, the, the Luke passage, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you have said you think of yourself as the Lord's servant? I mean, think about Mary's response. You, do you, would you say that? I am the Lord's servant. Lord, whatever you want to do with me, it's okay. Or do you think of yourself as being your own, your own master, master of your own destiny, servant to no one? Because if you have the mindset that you are a servant to the Lord, then you're going to be open and responsive to To God's assignments, to God's invitations, to the opportunities he places before you. Mary was completely yielded, for which we can commend her, but obviously Mary's ability to respond so quickly and faithfully came from a life lived in God in which she had learned to to believe and trust and know the voice of God. Mary was an early adopter. She was in right away. Joseph, on the other hand, was slower to come around, but eventually he did. Look at the text closely. I think it's interesting that God does not command, the angel does not command Joseph to uh, stay with Mary. The angel simply said, don't be afraid, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He was apparently free to still perhaps divorce her or to walk away, again, after all, the child she was carrying was not his. Imagine Jesus being raised by a single mother. It could have happened. It might have happened. Joseph hadn't signed up for this. But Joseph also being a righteous man, a devout man, he believed, he trusted God, and so he did take Mary as his wife and became father to the Son of God. Once confirmed, once it was affirmed by a dream, he was in. Once convinced, he didn't hesitate to to take Mary as his wife or to become father to the Son of God. He was in. This is, this is, this is an amazing, amazing story. It's, it's really an extraordinary story. It's, it's a wonderful one. It's one that we celebrate every year. And yet we shouldn't think that it was an easy one. It wasn't easy for Mary and Joseph. It, it, it must have been both exciting and yet at the same time gut-wrenching, shaming, troubling on many levels. More questions than answers. And no way of convincing others of your story, or your experience of God. I mean, there was the the bad timing of the pregnancy. Of course, Scripture says that it was in God's time, in the fullness of time, but I suspect that Mary and Joseph might have preferred a different time than the way it happened, the way that it went down. And on top of that, They had to travel to Bethlehem with Mary being very pregnant. Of course, maybe they were glad to get out of Nazareth. You know, the wagging tongues, the gossip mill, the, the cold stairs. Maybe they were glad to get out of town. And then once in Bethlehem, I'm sure Joseph felt completely inadequate to be providing for his family. No place to stay. The Love, Inc. office in Bethlehem, when it was open, wasn't much help. It would be days or weeks before they could get a place to stay. And the city mission didn't take families or women. Without insurance, there was no point in going to the hospital for the delivery. There wasn't even any room in the flea-ridden Faulkner budget inn. The best they could do. Yeah, let's bring it to today. The best they could do was find a place in a stable to rest their heads, surrounded by the sounds and the smells of cattle. On top of it all, Herod, the king of Israel, a narcissistic sociopath, when he caught wind of a potential rival, even though it was an infant, became a murderous threat. Joseph never imagined that he and his family would become political, uh, political refugees, fleeing to Egypt for their lives. Wild story, right? Merry Christmas. This is the adventure that Joseph and Mary were called to, and, Mary, and yet they became the earthly parents of God. They were graced to do something that you and I will never do. They held in their arms the creator of heaven and earth, the make, their own maker they held in their arms and raised the Son of God. In the words of St. Augustine, his summation of the Christ, he said, maker of the Son He is made under the sun. Creator of heaven and earth, He is born on earth under heaven. Unspeakably wise, He is wisely speechless. Filling the world, He lies in a manger. Ruler of the stars, He is cradled in His mother's arms. God's plans and purposes often seem and begin very lowly in a very humble way. It's an amazing, amazing, God-sized, God-inspired story of faith and courage and trust, of heartache and confusion, of chaos and mess, of wonder and joy. Honestly, the Christmas story is absolutely worth remembering and celebrating every year. But it is also worth thinking about how our own stories parallel or are part of or shaped by that story. Again, what if God wants to conceive something in you? What if God wants something to be born into the world through you, through us? What if God's presence with you and in you is the incarnation of God that the world needs today? Love, healing, reconciliation, beauty, relationship, justice, hope, Like Mary and Joseph, God comes to us with a call, a vocation, some assignment or opportunity to join him in what he's about to do. And it may be something that is already underway, it may be something that God is about to do or planted in you to do. Any way that you look at it, it will be an adventure. The question is how will you respond? Will you be ready? I have to admit that the times that I have experienced God at work in my life over the years, it didn't feel comfortable or logical or timely. Quite the opposite. It was usually uh, messy, inconvenient, and risky. And I'm a late adopter, generally. It takes me a while to hear and then to respond. And the times that I have responded required me to step out in faith, to walk by faith, to trust to believe that somehow God was at work guiding me, using me, shaping me, and others through my part. That's why we're calling it an adventure. Something is about to happen. Uh, something is happening. Something is arriving. God is giving birth to something. It happened when I was called to plant a church in southeast Michigan many years ago. And uh, it, uh, it was something that God had Put on my heart, it was something that I was, I was passionate for the church. I was passionate for the church to do things differently, to be more effective, to be more fruitful. And, uh, but I never imagined that I would be the one to lead or found that thing. It happened again when I arrived at Zion ten and a half years ago, and the recovery ministry was birthed before our eyes. It wasn't me, but I was part of it. And I do believe that it's hugely part of the reason why God called me to this place at that time. And there were too many God-winks for me to think that it ever happened by accident or coincidence. It certainly was messy and risky, and yet those were some of the most fruitful years of my ministry. And I would say they were some of the most fruitful years in the 125-year history of this church. Churches that are praying and listening... And ready and responsive to what God is doing will experience mess and risk, but also vitality and life, new life. And we should not be afraid of it. We should welcome it. Happened for me again not too many years ago when God came to me and unmistakably invited me on a journey, another adventure. It was one of the clearest words that I've ever experienced from God. And it scared me a little because I knew the risk. It required me to rethink, restudy, and reconsider things that I thought were settled. And the result that I've seen for myself is that it has enlarged my heart, expanded my mind, and given me even a greater appreciation for the mystery and the wonder of God. And that adventure continues. Not everyone is eager to experience God at work especially when they can't imagine or envision that it's actually God who's working. I'm sure that was Joseph's thoughts at one point. There will always be naysayers, late adopters, or those who never adopt. And like those who felt threatened by the birth of the Christ child or threatened by Jesus' life and ministry, that drama of that as it unfolded, or the early church as it grew and spread and expanded, The reaching out to the Gentiles, including them, the gospel's power to transform, much of it met with opposition, skepticism. In my experience, I have seen people around me or associated with me become concerned, uncomfortable, or even threatened by change, whether it was planting a church, the recovery ministry, or more recently, shifts in my theological understanding. But in each of those experiences, I sought and I continue to seek to be faithful to God allowing God to use me. And surely I have not gotten everything right, but I would like to believe and certainly intend to be the Lord's willing servant. I do ask, God, whatever you want to do with me, do it. Like Joseph, and I know that that's risky to say that. It's a little scary to say that and mean it, to give God permission to own you for you to be his servant. But there's no one else that you can give yourself to that is safe in the way that God is. Or perhaps I should say good. I'm not sure God is safe. But good. Like Joseph, I've needed affirmation to be unafraid to move forward, trusting that God is with me, in it, with me. Hindsight is always 20-20. I can look back and some of the things that I know that God has called me to, I can say, well, okay, I, this, this, you know... These particular circumstances sort of were lining up. It sort of makes sense when I look back at why God would have tapped me on the shoulder or invited me on that journey. Sometimes it makes sense. By the grace of God, like Mary and Joseph, those times, at least some of those times, I was ready. There have been times that God has done that and I haven't responded. But to the ones that, that, that I did respond to, it was by the grace of God. But at the time, I never imagined that I would be capable or able or, or unscathed. Each assignment, each opportunity required something of me faith for sure, but it also required some, it also required some adjustment, sometimes a major adjustment in my life, to go where God was leading, where God was calling. I think I can honestly say that whatever personal costs that I have made to do that, it has been rewarded tenfold in terms of the ways that I have been blessed. The place where God calls you, as I said, I think this is, says it more eloquently than what, I, than what I've said. Frederick Buechner, the place to which God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger coincides. If you stop and think about that, it, it's... It, it means the things that you get excited about, the things that you're passionate about, the things that you love, the things that make you glad. Somehow, somehow that, that thing in here is something that the world needs because it answers a need in the world. And when you, when you allow God to be at work in that and using you through that, you will be doing exactly what God made you to do, to have impact in the world, to be a difference maker, to bring light, to bring hope, to incarnate the gospel. It's what we're called to do, to be a light to the world. And we can do that as individuals, and we do that together collectively as a church. Jesus said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden as so we let our light shine, individually and collectively. So are you ready? Ready? Are you ready to be ready for God, a God-sized assignment, for God to birth something in you and through you? The only way that you can be is if you're free, open, flexible, receptive. In some way, you're going to have to become like a child, marveling at what you see, curious, not worried or negative, but trusting in order for the kingdom of God to be born in you and through you. Do you want to be ready when God taps you on the shoulders? Do you want to be, actually be part of an adventure? Or would you prefer that that seed remain dormant in you? That it lie dormant? It's easier, but you'll miss an, advent, an adventure, a kingdom of God adventure. As the angel said to, to Joseph, do not be afraid. Amen. So um, I'm going to close this in prayer, but this is a—it's um, a little bit of a heads up. So I don't know who I'm going to interview next week yet. So if one of you would like to be interviewed, you could get hold of me. But um, in a sense, we're all going to be interviewed next week. How's that going to work? So the message next Sunday is going to be very brief, and then we're going to somehow—and I don't know exactly logistically how we're going to do this—but we're going to have opportunities for every one of us here to be thinking and sharing how, uh, well, as you heard in the interview this morning, the, what, are the, what are the passions, what are the things that are on your heart, your mind, that if, if time and ability and resources weren't an issue, where would you want to make a difference? It's going to be an opportunity for all of us to be thinking about that and reflecting on that opportunities to share that in some way next week don't you you introverts don't you stay away i have to do it too so let's pray holy and gracious god thank you thank you thank you for the ways that you always have been are even now and will continue to be at work in our world god thank you for the ways that you are at work in each of our hearts and each of our lives God, help us to be more attentive to your voice, to your prompt, to your invitation, God, to your call on our lives. Thank you for the passions, the desires, the gladness, the joys, the things that you have placed on our hearts. God, make us aware of the world's needs in ways that we can respond, in ways, God, that you can use us to bring hope and to bring healing into this world to incarnate the gospel that the joy of Christmas may continue every day. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.